Oh boy, well good morning everybody. Woo, that was exciting. Just getting all of your attention, I guess. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Welcome to Living Hope. Uh, all of you who are with us here in the room, those of you who are joining us online, hopefully you didn't have headphones in and just uh, explode your eardrums, but we're glad that you're worshiping with us today. We like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also Thank you. We really do believe that, that the Lord meets us right here where we are. That when we gather together to worship him, whether we're in person or whether we're online, we believe that God meets us right where we are uh, so that we can be honest with him, so that we can turn to him, so we can uh, receive grace and help from him for whatever we're facing. So let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. God, we are so grateful that you do meet us here, uh, that the Lord, the, the one who has conquered sin and death, the one who has given us life. Uh, the one who is with us every moment of the day, that you, you call us into these times where we get to center our hearts and our thoughts on you. Help us today through the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray, through, uh, through the scriptures that we read, and through the celebration of communion at your table. Would you help us to be aware of your presence? Would you help us to connect with you? Would you help us to hear what we need to hear from you and receive what we need to receive from you today? You are good to us, God, and we are so grateful for this opportunity to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you're here in the room with us, if you're interested, Abel, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus soon died and is now gone above. Hallelujah. as I do, because that's all we got for today. Submission, perfect delight. 
Gospel of John, chapter 14, uh, verse 27. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my life now has taught me to say, it is well. even in the midst of troubling circumstances. <laughs> and you alone know the trouble that we carry with us in our hearts and in our minds and our lives as we walk into times like this. 
For some of us, it's intensely personal, and we've got health things going on, family stuff going on. Uh, God, for some of us, it's things that have just happened to us this past week or this morning. For some of us, we got stuff coming up this week that, uh, man, it's causing us some anxiety and some stress. And, uh, for some of us, God, it's just it's things happening to other people, but they weigh on our hearts and on our minds. Uh, we think of, uh, we continue to think of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And uh, God, we continue to pray for your protection for all of them there. And God, we pray for those in Russia as well, as this is... Uh, created very interesting times for uh, for people on both sides of this conflict. Uh, God, we continue to pray that you will bring peace, that you will bring an end to, uh, to violence, that you will protect those who are caught up in the midst of it, and that you will help us to do whatever we can uh, to, to help, including crying out to you on their behalf. But God, like I said, you alone know what it is that we carry into this time and into this place. But whatever it is, we thank you that you meet us right there in the midst of it, that you are the good and gracious and compassionate God that we read about in Scripture and that we have experienced in our own lives. So please, God, would you continue to comfort us with your presence? Would you continue to strengthen us for whatever challenges we may face? Would you challenge us and confront us, give us wisdom for those things that we need to change, those, those ways that we might be contributing to our own problems? God, would you give us the, the ability to see it and the strength, the courage to, to change it, to get the help that we need from those around us who care. God, thank you for the transforming power of your Holy Spirit who never leaves us, never forsakes us, is always with us, guiding us, empowering us to live a life. Well, Jesus, you described it as an enemy that wants to, there's an enemy that wants to to steal and to kill and destroy, but you have come that we might have life and have it to the full. God, that's what we want for ourselves, for our families, for our neighbors, for our world, that we would enjoy the fullness of life that you created us for. So please, God, we pray that you would protect us from all those things that would detract from that, all those things that would cause us to live less than the life that you have for us, and that we would know the, the grace, the, the power the strength of your holy presence with us in this life. Thank you, God. Thank you again for this chance we have to gather together, to sing to you, to, to be uh, lift, have our hearts and our minds and our voices lifted up to you by these, these old hymns. Thank you again, God, for those uh, that you gift with creative ability, who, who write, who compose, who play, who sing. Uh, thank you, God, for... Uh, for those who have brought scripture down to us through the ages and, and have translated it into languages that we can understand. Thank you for all of those uh, that we don't even think about so many times that make a worship service like this possible, who, who give us the opportunity and make it fun, who, make it, uh, who, who help us to lift our hearts to you, to connect with the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who is here. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us here, being full of grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. You guys sounded like you meant that. That's good. Uh, we're going to take a couple minutes to extend that peace to each other. You shake someone's hand. You can say peace to you, or you can say good morning, or you can say looking good, or whatever you need to say. Let's take a couple minutes. Greet somebody. All right. It's good to uh, it's good to see so many of you. And, um, it's good to see the ways that you guys love each other, and are interested in uh, in talking and chatting and catching up. And uh, it's good to see some of you here in the room that we haven't had a chance to see in a while. Uh, which reminds me, if you are watching online, this is the first of the announcements, I guess. Uh, we would love to have you uh, connect with us. Let us know you're with us. Leave us a comment if you're on YouTube or Facebook, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. You can fill out that little connect card. Let us know how we can pray for you, thank God with you. Um, we would love to know that you're worshiping with us. And uh, we have several of you that watch this service live and several of you who watch this service later. And, uh, and it's always good to hear from you and know that you're connecting with us, and especially when there's a way that we can pray for you, that sort of a thing. And, of course, all of you in the room are welcome to do that same thing. Uh, or you can grab one of those little cards back uh, in the back by the offering box and uh, jot us a note on there. Just drop it in that offering box before you go. And if you're giving, you can do that as well. Or you can give online. Uh, 
uh, with the link that's on the, on the screen. Um, and then, uh, oh, you can continue to keep up with what's going on in Ukraine. Um, that obviously has not ended. Uh, it's been interesting to watch the news and see how things move back and forth with that whole thing. But if you want to go to ncm.org, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, you can continue to give if you'd like. Uh, you can continue to get updates on how to pray. Thank you again for uh, helping with those crisis care kits that we were able to send uh, over there. So I, I don't think we're going to get an update as to when our particular boxes, where they go. They're not, they don't have like barcodes on them or tracking or anything like that. Uh, um, but they are going to get there, and so thank you very much. There are already people being helped and have been helped for the months that this has been, uh, this has been going on. Uh, this Saturday is the uh, Global 6K for Water, and we would love to have you join us. If you haven't already signed up, it is not too late. In fact, you can still get $10 off today or tomorrow. There's a promo code, Last Chance that you can use that will get you $10 off. Uh, and if you go to valpo6k.com and just scroll down, there, it, it mentions that code right there, so you, you don't have to worry about forgetting it. And uh, tomorrow is the last chance to sign up if you want to get your stuff. Somehow, I don't know how they do this. Uh, I don't know if they put them on Amazon trucks or what, but somehow if you tomorrow uh, register still, they will get you your shirt and everything before the event on Saturday. So otherwise, you'll get it. You'll just get it later, okay? But people can sign up even the day of. You can meet a Saturday out there at Old Fairgrounds Park at 9.15. We're going to start at 9.30. Uh, you can show up there and sign up and, and hand us $50 and, and get to participate, or 25 for kids 18 and under. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to sign up or if you just don't know if you're going to do it and it takes sa till Saturday for you to know, it's okay to do that, all right? Don't feel like you can't go if you don't sign up by tomorrow, but... If you want that $10 off, uh, that's, your, that's your last chance to do that. Uh, if you uh, are bringing back one of those bottles for the Women's Center, um, or maybe you haven't taken one. If there's one on the table, you can still take one. Uh, we want to collect all those by the end of this month, so by next Sunday. Uh, there's a little basket back there by the offering box. It says baby bottles on it. Pretty simple. That's where you put them. If you've got a gift that you're giving to help the Women's Center, uh, that's where you can do that. Or you can give online at uh, friendsofthewc.org. Uh, that's, their, that's their website for supporters. So if you want to help... Um, women who are in crisis pregnancy situations to choose life for their kids. This is one way among many that you can do that uh, is to, to support the work of the Women's Center of Northwest Indiana. And then we are still in this uh, season leading us up to Pentecost Sunday on June 5th. Uh, this this half million mobilization. There are half a million folks in churches of the Nazarene around the USA and Canada, including us, including you this morning, and they're calling all of us to pray and then they'd like all of us to speak and to share what God has been saying to you. If God has said something to you about the church and about the direction that the church should go, you can go to livinghope.info slash pray. You can find prayer resources there, including a, a download of this magazine that's out there. Or there's still a couple copies of the magazine, and there are several copies of the little daily prayer journal. If you want one of those, a physical copy, great. You can download a copy. You can get the app that'll buzz at you at... It's some, somebody mentioned last week, I think it's 11 p.m. every night here on Central Time. It'll buzz at you with the next day's, next day's thing. So if you're a night owl, like <clears throat> some of us, me, then uh, you, can, you can get that a little bit early. Uh, we would love to have you joining us in prayer. And that's been guiding the, uh, the direction of our messages uh, for this time as well, including this morning. We're looking at, uh, they've, they've asked us to pray for God's protection and direction and revelation. All right, for us, for uh, us as a church locally, for us as a church across North America, around the world, and, and not just the church in Nazarene, but, you know, God, please protect Christians everywhere, you know, uh, of every church in every place, um, asking God to protect us, asking God to direct us and to reveal himself to us and to guide us as we do our best to share his love and his grace with the people right here, right around us in our mission field. Uh, now, so today we're looking at protection and prayers for protection, which I think is one of the most common prayers that probably gets prayed. Grandmothers pray this every day. Every parent prays these prayers, you know, praying for your kids, for your grandkids. They go off to school. Uh, they end up in jail. They go to the military. Wherever they go, we find ourselves praying for them. Please, God, would you protect them, right? Um, and this is a common prayer. So we're going to look at that a little bit today, some examples in Scripture of God protecting us. But I wanted to say right up front, in case you fall asleep or have to leave or whatever, okay, here's the point, all right, the two main things that have been, that have been right, bubbling to the surface for me as I've been preparing for this, this message is that most of the time when God answers our prayers for protection, number one, God doesn't keep us from it, he gets us through it, all right, God doesn't, generally speaking, keep us from the danger, doesn't just like remove the danger from us, but he gets us through the danger situation, whatever it might be. All right, he is with us. He strengthens us. He helps us to make it through to the other side. He doesn't keep us from it. He gets us through it. And the second one is that 
most of the time when God answers these prayers, God does his supernatural work through ordinary people. He does his extraordinary work through ordinary people like you and like me. Sometimes, yes, God just does the miraculous, and there's no way to explain it. We're going to actually look at one of those stories today from the Bible. But other times, God works in what seem like ordinary ways, but that when you go through it, you find yourself saying, oh, man, that was God answering my prayers. He heard, and he answered when he sent that person, when he, when he helped that person to say just what I needed to hear at just the right time to keep me from making that mistake or going down that path. Right? So when we pray for protection, when God answers these prayers, most of the time, God doesn't keep us from it. He gets us through it. And most of the time, he does his supernatural work through ordinary people like you, like me. All right, so Jesus uh, said in John chapter 16 to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. He, he, he guarantees it, right? He, he never promises. The Bible never promises to protect us from all trouble. You know, there will be a bed of roses with no thorns. All right? Uh, he says, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says we can, we can have courage, we can have faith, we can have hope, we can have confidence as we go through trouble, whatever trouble the world might bring, because Jesus is with us and he has overcome the world. So then we can be overcomers. We can share in that victory. Now, here's a little bonus. It's not in your notes. Romans chapter 8. Read the end of that chapter later. Right? Just write Romans, Romans 8 in there and read the end of that later. It's a beautiful moment where the Apostle Paul is, uh, is talking about how nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all creation, no matter what we go through. He says, it doesn't mean that God no longer loves us if we have it. He says, no, we are more than conquerors. We, we overcome. We are victorious because of the love that God gives us in Jesus Christ. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. In the book of Hebrews, in our New Testament, it tells us that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. That's a surprising verse, and so I wanted to put it right up front, because sometimes we think like, okay, I prayed for God to protect me, and then he didn't, right? I mean, I prayed, and it's like he didn't hear my prayer. And it would be easy to look at Jesus' life and think that. You know, last week we were looking at the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. It's like the night that he's going to be abandoned by his friends and, and hauled off uh, in captivity by the religious rulers who then hand him off to the Romans who put him on a cross. By the next, Within 24 hours he is dying on a cross and he's crying that night, praying to God, please, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering uh, pass by me. Take this cup so I don't have to drink it. And he's, this is exactly what it's talking about here in this verse. He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. But he dies, right? And so you would think, I would think if I were praying that prayer, right, I would think like, oh, well, God didn't hear my prayer. I died anyway. You know, like, like it, it happened. What I was hoping wouldn't happen, happened. But he says he was heard because of his reverent submission. We looked last week. He ends that prayer by saying, you know, it's not my will, but your will be done. He submits himself to the will of his heavenly father. And he says his prayers were heard, that he was saved from death. Did Jesus escape death? Did he not have to die? No. I mean, we use a cross as a main symbol of our faith for that very reason. Because Jesus experienced death. He went to the lowest place we can go. But God saved him from it because death didn't hold on to him. He didn't stay dead, right? He conquered death. He overcame it. Take heart, I have overcome the world. His prayers for protection, for rescue, were heard, but not in the way that perhaps we would have chosen, right? If we're praying that prayer, we would rather just not, you just like avoid the death part, right? But for Jesus, he, he experienced it, he went through it, and he conquered it and experienced life on the other side of it, resurrection life. Many times when we pray for God to protect us, sometimes it's true. Sometimes God just, we don't have to go through whatever it is. Other times, he, he gets us through it, right? He sees us through. And Jesus is our model as Christians. We model ourselves after Jesus. We look to him. The, way, the life that he lived is a life that we want to live. And so if God got him through it, then he's probably going to take us through it, not around it, not escaping before it comes. Much of the time, that protection is going to, is going to be right through the middle of the danger. Now, there are stories of God's protection throughout the Bible. And I just, some of them were like coming to mind as I was preparing. And I thought, oh, yeah, we haven't, you know, there are all these stories that uh, sometimes you hear them growing up as a kid or, you know, you get a sanitized version of them in your kid's Bible. And, and, and there's so many of them that I just realized, like, we've never shared those stories here. Or like, very rarely do these come up on a Sunday morning. I'm thinking maybe later this year of doing just like a, you know, 
adult versions of the kid stories that we all hear as kids. Like, like let's remind you of some of them. And some of them you might have never heard. Maybe you didn't grow up like I did with somebody opening like a kid's Bible and reading you these stories. But uh, one, one that, you know, it's from the beginning of the book to the end. And one in the very first book of the Bible is where Abraham's nephew Lot uh, lives in the town of Sodom, and their angels show up to Abraham saying, like, uh, well, yep, we've heard it's really bad down there, and so we're going to bring judgment. It's, they've, they've kind of reached the end of the rope. They've reached their limit. Uh, I've been as patient as I can be. It's time for judgment to put an end to their wickedness. And, uh, and Abraham prays for his nephew. Like, again, some of you pray for your nephews and kids and others that you care about. He prays, like, well, God, please, would you, would you destroy the town? What if there are 50 righteous people there? You wouldn't destroy the whole town and destroy them with it. Oh, well, yeah, sure, if there are 50 righteous people, okay, I guess I would spare the town. And then Abraham thinks, mm, what if there's only 20? What if there's only 10? He bargains with God until he gets them down to, like, you know, what is, I think 10. Is 10 where he ends it? What if there are only 10 righteous people? And God says, fine, if I find 10 righteous people in the town, uh, I'll spare it. And then the angels go into town to kind of check it out, and they meet Lot. And Lot, does, in that culture, hospitality is huge, and Lot is like the only person who offers hospitality to these strangers and in fact, the whole town does the exact opposite. They gather around. They want to abuse these strangers. And Lot does his best to protect them. The angels end up getting Lot's family out of there just in the nick of time before the fire and the brimstone rain down. And we see that these folks truly were uh, kind of at the end of their rope. And God, in his effort to protect those who are victims, uh, does away with these victimizers in this story. So there's one of those stories from the very first book of someone praying for God to protect their loved one, and God does. God, God sends protection. Now, it requires participation on their part. Lot has to agree to go with them, and there's this weird part of the story where Lot's wife kind of turns back and turns into a pillar of salt. Weird, weird stuff in these, these stories, but, but, the, but the core of it there, you can read it later. I gave you Genesis 18 and 19. God rescuing people in response to prayers. Another weird story that for some reason came to mind is Numbers chapter 22. Uh, again, this is early on, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fourth book of the Bible. The story of this prophet Balaam who's been summoned to go, uh, there's a, a king of a neighboring nation wants him to curse the people of Israel because they're at war. And he says, oh, if this prophet pr pronounces a curse, then we'll, we'll win. And, uh, and as he's on his way, the story says, that God had an angel of the Lord standing in the path. He's riding a donkey, and there's an angel of the Lord with a flaming sword getting ready to chop his head off, and the donkey can see this angel. And so he veers off into a field, and Balaam's like, get back on the road. He starts you know, beating his donkey, gets him back on the path. And then there's this narrow part, and there's the angel again, and the donkey like, has to rub right up against this stone outcropping to like, get squeezed past the angel, and it you know, hurts the guy's foot, and he's like beating his donkey like, why are you doing this to me, stupid donkey? And... Uh, and finally, a third time, there's the angel right there, and the donkey just lays down, and he just starts beating this donkey with a stick, and God, it says, opens the donkey's mouth. And it's like something out of Shrek. The donkey just starts talking to him, you know? He's like, why are you beating me? You know, like, and he's like, and, and, the, and the guy just, like, talks back to the donkey. He doesn't, like, whoa, you can talk? They have this conversation, and he finds out, and then God opens Balaam's eyes. He can see the angel in front of him, and he's like, oh, sorry, donkey, man, you were, you were saving my life there. It's a weird story of God sparing Balaam's life through his donkey. And, uh, and I think it came to mind because here was this donkey. You know, if God, God could work through a donkey to save someone's life, to protect someone, like, oh, maybe God wants to work through me, too. I don't know. There, there's this podcast I listen to called Preaching Donkey. It's for pastors. And, uh, and I think the idea is like, well, if God can speak his word through a donkey, he can speak through me, you know? So anyway, weird stories in the Bible, but of Someone's life being spared because someone is coming alongside and helping a donkey in this case. Now, you get to the stories of King David, and there are story after story after story of David being protected. He spends his, his early years uh, on the run from King Saul uh, because David's going to be the next king, and everyone's kind of seeing that, and Saul doesn't like that because he's the king, and so he goes after David, and David has to hide out in caves, and he's got his band of merry men? No, that's Robin Hood. He's got his band of like fellow soldiers, and they're, they're on the run, and, and later in his life, too, as his kids get older, and they start to challenge him, he's on the run again. And in these moments where David is, his life is at risk, and God rescues him again and again, it shows up in so many of the Psalms that David wrote. And I just gave you a few of them, 9, 16, 18, 25, 91. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, but you can, if you needed some to read, I, at first I just said, lots of Psalms, and I thought, well, some of you might actually want some that you can read later. Okay, so here are a handful where he talks about God being his refuge, God being his protector, uh, about how God uh, comes alongside and, and, and prevents harm, keeps him from, protects him from his enemies. And we see that again and again in David's life. 
But of course, uh, at some point, the kingdom of Israel does fall to their enemies. Uh, Babylon is this rival power, and they come and they conquer Israel, and they haul the, the leaders, uh, the, the educated, the leaders, the royal families, all those who are like in charge. They basically like chop off the head of the society by taking all those who lead anything, and they haul them off into exile in Babylon. But even though the nation is going through this great time of difficulty, God still is with them. And God protects them there in Babylon. And in, in some of them, he even uh, elevates in different ways and helps them to um, show their faithfulness as they are faithful to God. God promotes them, protects them, helps them. Uh, one of those is Daniel. We see a couple stories in, in the book of Daniel there in the Old Testament, another strange book. But um, there's this moment where Daniel is pretty. You story, the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I saw the veggie tales of that. Um, Daniel is praying to God and the king is persuaded by these, you know, scoundrels to, to say, oh, no one's allowed to pray to any other gods except our gods. And there's Daniel who's got a habit of regularly praying to the God of Israel, praying to, to Yahweh, the, the God of the Bible. And, uh, and he does this in a way that people can see. He goes to his window and he prays three, time, three times a day, I think. And um, we've talked a couple weeks ago about how we're invited to pray continually and that some of us, maybe we need a habit of prayer that helps us to do this, that we don't just pray in the morning or we don't just pray when we're desperate or we don't just pray when we show up at church on Sundays. You know, there are habits we can build into our, into our days, into our life, some rhythms of prayer. And Daniel had a rhythm of prayer. And even though he knew, okay, it's against the law now for me to pray to, to my God, he continues to do it. And the king likes Daniel and he's sad to have to bring him in. But he says, you know, I got, I got the law is the law. I've said this publicly. If anybody who prays to another god has got to get thrown to the lions. Dan just like, all right. So they chuck him in the lion's den. And the next morning, the, the king goes, like, thinking he's going to find, you know, what's left of Daniel. And instead, Daniel's there. He's alive. He says, God sent an angel to close the mouths of the lion. I can't imagine being Daniel in that circumstance, right? Can you imagine, man, getting thrown to the lions and thinking, like, okay, don't know, they look hungry, don't know what this is going to mean for me, God, I'm trusting you, but we'll see what happens. And God protects him. He has to spend the whole night there with those lions, and, uh, but it's brought through safely. But then my favorite, I think, and, uh, is the story that's a couple chapters before that in Daniel chapter 3 about these three uh, young men, Hebrew uh, men from you know, Daniel's people, the people of Israel, uh, we know them by their, uh, by their Babylonian names. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, fun names to say, especially when you're a kid. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's a similar kind of situation. King Nebuchadnezzar, another fun name, uh, has built a golden statue. I think, is it of himself? I think it's the golden statue of himself. And, uh, and uh, regularly, they have the musicians fire up the band, and when the musicians play the music, everyone's supposed to stop what they're doing, turn toward the statue, and kneel and worship this statue of the king. And the musicians play, the whole town turns and kneels, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing there like, not going to do it, can't do it, can't kneel. I'm sure they wanted to, I'm sure they were like, okay, mm, I guess not, can't do it. I can't bring myself to kneel and to worship this the statue of the king, we worship God, we're not going to do this. They get hauled in before King Nebuchadnezzar. I, I just included a little bit of it. Man, I, I, first I had copy and pasted the whole thing into here, and it went on to like the next page and a half. So, uh, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Um, do you know there's stories in the Bible about throwing, chucking people into furnaces and stuff? It's, it's not all a kid's book, all right? I don't know why we tell this story to children. It's pretty, man, but we do. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. <laughs> I love that they start with that. They're just like totally chill. They're just like, look, we don't need to defend ourselves. You know, we're doing what we know we need to do. You do what you got to do. You know, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then this is the part that I love in the story right here. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, 
that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, do you notice they, they call him your majesty? They recognize, look, you're in charge here. You're the king. They honor him. They respect him, but they won't worship him. They won't worship his gods. They do that. They, they, they hit that line right where they should, right? They knock the golf ball straight down the fairway. They, I don't know why a golf image popped in my head. I don't play golf. Anyway, they, they hit that line right where they should of saying, like, look, we're going to respect you, and we're gonna, we'll be the best citizens we can be of this nation now that we've been brought into, but we cannot worship your gods. We cannot, we cannot be unfaithful to the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who has called us. And so we're trusting him. And we know he can deliver us and we think that he will. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. To me, that reminds me of that prayer that Jesus prayed, right? God, I'd, I'd like you to remove this cup of suffering, but ultimately I'm trusting you. It's what you want, not what I want. So sure enough, he has them bound, has people throw them in the furnace. Oh, but before he throws them in the furnace, they, they crank it up seven times hotter than usual. And it's so hot, they tell us that, uh, that even the soldiers who carried them and dropped them into the furnace, they died from the heat that was coming off this furnace. So that's how hot it was. And they, these three young men get thrown into the furnace. And right away, Nebuchadnezzar hops up and says, whoa, what, do you guys see what I'm seeing? Didn't, we threw three guys in, right? Yeah, three guys. Why do I see four men? In the furnace. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods or like a divine being, and depending on how you translate that, you know, the son of God. And he calls them to come out, and they walk out of the furnace, and they don't even smell like smoke. It's this crazy miracle. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, and I'm sorry, I went ahead and put this part in there Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. He's still not got the whole thing, right? (laughs) He's still like a violent king, all right? But he's saying, like, look, he recognizes now that God can rescue and that God has rescued. And so he's saying, don't speak against this God. No one can rescue like him. I think sometimes when, when God does protect us and he sees us through the fire, when he sees us through the flood, when he sees us through the illness, when he sees us through the jail time, when he sees us through whatever it is that we face, uh, whenever he sees us through the trouble, It can be a testimony to the people around us that, look, God is faithful to his people. Those who trust in him, yeah, even when they go through great difficulty, they express this confidence in God. They have this unbelievable peace, like Scott just read to us. Uh, Man, no no God. It seems like who, who else goes through trouble like these do? There must be something to this God that they talk about. God does protect us, but he often doesn't keep us from the danger. He often gets us through the danger. Jesus himself, when he prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, he, he uses that word protection several times in that prayer. And, and one of them here, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He's saying, I don't, God, I don't want you to remove them from the world, this world that's going to hate them, this world that, that as they follow me, they're going to come, you know, they're going to find themselves at cross purposes with the world and its value systems, and then they're going to step on toes as they, as they love people that other people say you should shun, as they, as they care for people that other people reject. It's going to make other people angry, and the world's going to hate them. But, God, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of, the, of it. He's saying they, they don't share the world's values. Yeah, they're born in the world. They live in the world, but they don't belong to the world, right? Uh, Paul puts it another way in his letter. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. He says, we are citizens of a, of a different kingdom. We live by a different set of rules, by a different set of values than the people around us perhaps do. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And sanctify has this dual meaning of like being set apart. You know, again, kind of living by a different value system, marching to the beat of a different drummer. And a sense of being purified or made holy, set apart for God. So by the truth, your word is truth, would you use that to, to sanctify them, to help them to be ready, to prepare them to live in this world as, as holy people? As you sent me into the world, Jesus says, 
I have sent them into the world. It's like the opposite of pulling us out of trouble. <laughs> he sends us into it. Jesus says, I'm, I'm not, as you've sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Like set apart for you. To be used by you. To reflect the holiness, the, the grace, the love of God into the world. Jesus is saying, that's why I'm, I'm devoted to you, God. I'm committed to, to following your purpose here. So that they can be devoted to you. So they can be used by a holy God to bring grace and love into a dangerous world. In his letter to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul put it like this. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Similar phrase there, being protected from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I love that. That It's kind of a prayer there at the end. He's saying, as you pray for us, that we could be delivered from evil people. Paul faced you know, all kinds of opposition. People who tried to kill him repeatedly. People who threw him in jail. He faced all kinds of opposition as he was out telling people the good news about Jesus. And so he's saying, pray, pray for us that God will you know, prevent those things from happening. And that the message of the Lord can spread rapidly, be honored. Uh, but God's faithful. Even though other people don't have faith and don't believe that God is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance so that you won't give up in the face of danger, so that you'll trust him to see you safely through. And the Apostle Paul himself later, I don't have this in here, sorry, uh, when he was in chains, even said like, look, this is for, this is for the good of the gospel. He says the good news of Jesus is spreading throughout all the Roman guard and, and even Caesar's own household because of where I am, because God got him into one of Caesar's jails, you know. Like, even this trouble I'm going through that God hasn't protected me from, he's protected me in the midst of it, and he's helping me to get the good news out even more broadly. So we are invited and called to pray for the protection of others, for God to protect. Um, We already pray, like, you know, we've been praying for months for the the people of Ukraine. Many of you already pray for people that you love and care about. Um, We are invited during this season to pray more broadly, to pray for God to protect our church. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I would love for you to pray for God to protect me. Uh, not from like buses or trains or something that might hit me, although that's good too. Uh, but that God would protect us like from temptation. That God would protect us from weakness. That God would protect us from being, um, you know, a selfish people, contentious, just going down the same road that the world goes down. That God would protect us from the evil one who would tempt us away from our purpose, away from our calling to follow Jesus and to reflect his love and grace to those around us. That God would protect our hearts. They would care about the the things and about the people that God cares about instead of our hearts getting drawn toward other concerns or other things. We can pray for the church more broadly that God would protect us in those ways, right? It's like I pray that God would protect you, (laughs) the people I get the chance to to pastor, that that God would protect you, not just from danger, you know, but that God would would protect your hearts, that God would protect your souls, that God would protect... uh, yeah, protect you from the evil one, the one that wants to whisper lies to you about who you are, about what you should care about, about how you should live, that instead you would be sanctified by the truth, that you would hear God's word, the truth of God being spoken to you through scriptures, through Sunday morning messages, through any way that you can get the truth of God into your heart and mind and soul, um, that God would protect you from the evil one and his lies and instead provide for you the truth and help you to absorb that and for it to shape your life. So much of this has been about that first thing. God doesn't keep us from it. He gets us through it. Just briefly at the end, when we pray for protection, God answers it. God often does that supernatural work through ordinary people. And uh, I I think every time about this moment in the book of Exodus where Moses sees this burning bush, and he goes to see it, and God speaks to him out of this bush. And the Lord told him, I included this there from Exodus chapter 3, the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So he's heard their cries, heard their prayers. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. So what's he say? Who's, who's come down to rescue? God has. Who's going to lead them out of Egypt? God is. He said, I've come to lead them out. And just a couple verses later, he says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. <laughs> when God works, he normally does it through us, through people. And so the things I want, the questions I want you to be thinking about today, who are you praying for God to protect? And in what way might God use you in answering those prayers? You know, we, we've been praying for God to protect the people of Ukraine and to see them safely through. And then we've also been responding by giving, by putting together those crisis care kits and shipping them off to make sure that not only are we praying for that to happen, but we're putting our feet behind it and our dollars behind it, right, for that to happen. You know, we, we pray for people, like we've got the 6K coming up uh, on Saturday. And it's the kind of thing we might pray that God will protect children in other countries from diseases and from things that might shorten their lives unnecessarily and from the violence that they encounter as they have to make those long walks for, for water. We can pray for God to protect them, but then God also invites us to, to give, to come alongside, to be a part of the answer to those prayers, to provide clean water so that they do escape those diseases, so they do escape that violence that they would otherwise face. There are so many ways that we pray for God to protect others, and then God invites us to be a part of that answer. I think it was one of the first, one of the first days of this uh, prayer journal that the, uh, um, the verse was talking about Jesus saying uh, to his disciples, look, the, the harvest is, is plentiful. Like, pray that the Lord would send, but the workers are few, so pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into his harvest field. He's talking about not like a, a wheat harvest, he's talking about a harvest of people people who could know that God loves them and could trust in God. And he's saying there's, there's people who are ready to trust in him, but we need people to go and tell them. And, and so he doesn't just say, so go tell them. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. And as we do that, it's like, and as we do that, then we find that God does send us. <laughs> as we pray for God to, to provide for others, we, we so often find that God shows us ways that we could help provide. So as you pray for God to protect people you love, as you pray for God to protect um, his church, I pray that you will also be, uh, be open to the ways that God might want to use you to, to be a part of the answer to those very prayers. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together before we celebrate communion together, before we go. Thank you, God. Thank you for the stories we have in Scripture. Thank you for the stories in our own lives, all the different ways that we find you protecting us, saving us, rescuing us. Uh, we know that you are faithful and that you are good and that you are with us. But God, we also know that you don't promise that we will never get sick. You don't promise that we'll never face uh, an economic setback or, or a season of homelessness. You don't, you don't promise us that we, will, that we will never face pain or difficulty. But God, you do promise to be with us and to see us through it and to protect our hearts and our lives in the midst of it. And we thank you for that, God. Thank you for being our protector. Thank you for being our rescuer, our savior. God, right now, this, maybe this whole morning, there have been some of us who we've just had faces in our minds, people who've been coming to mind of, of people that we care about and we're praying for you to protect them. God, we do pray that you will protect them. For, for kids who are wrapping up school years and going into a summer, uh, who are some who are graduating and moving on into careers, God, we pray for, for protection as they travel, as they move, as they begin new adventures. God, we have friends who uh, find themselves in legal trouble and find themselves in jail or prison, and we pray that you would protect them and that you would make them aware of your presence there with them, that you would... Use this time to draw them to yourself. We have friends in the hospital, people in our church right now who are, who are not here with us this morning because they're in the hospital, and we pray for you to protect their lives, to protect them from, <clears throat> from the physical danger they find themselves in right now, that you would heal them, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, that you'd bring them home safe. Friends and family members in the military who are serving in, in far-flung parts of the world, and we pray for their protection that they would do their work with integrity, that you would guide those who guide them and direct them, that you'd protect them from some of the moral injury that they sometimes uh, 
take on as they do the work that they do. God, we pray for your protection for your church and its leaders. That you would protect them from, uh, well, we, we hear so many stories. It seems like every, every other week there's some story of some leader who falls to some temptation who's been doing the wrong thing and, and uh, abusing people and taking advantage of people. And God, we pray that you would protect those who find themselves leading churches and organizations, religious organizations, that you would protect them from temptation, protect them from themselves, <laughs> protect them from going down a path that would harm not just them, but the people who follow them, the people who listen to them. God, we pray that you would protect your reputation you know, watching and listening world, people who are wondering if there's something to this, and then they look at us to see if there might be something to this. Would you protect your reputation, God, by helping us as your children to live in this world in a way that reflects your holiness, reflects your grace, reflects your love, reflects your compassion and kindness. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving broken, messed up, ordinary people like us. And as we hear of your love for us, as we say yes to you, as we put our trust in you, you heal us, you mend us, you repair, you restore, you give life where we had brought death. Thank you, God, for forgiving our sins. Thank you for washing us, making us clean again. Thank you for giving us the life of your Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, strengthen us, and to, to empower us to live a life that reflects you in this world. Thank you, God, that this is open to every single one of us here and now, today. Your grace, your love, your presence, your power. Thank you, God. We celebrate this in the sacrament of Holy Communion. As we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember that Jesus, on that night that he was to be betrayed, right before going out in the garden and praying those prayers, that as he was with his disciples, he took the bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. He took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. This is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. God, today we offer you ourselves and we pray that by your transforming work in our hearts and lives, by the, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed by your grace, that we might be changed by your love, that we might be a people who reflect you to the world. We confess our need of forgiveness. There's not a single one of us here who is not in need of your grace. So God, we don't approach the table of our Lord Jesus as people who have arrived, who have got it all together, who have proven ourselves to you. We come as people who are hungry for your grace. We come as people who are grateful for your love. Thank you, God. Thank you for this, this spiritual medicine that, that heals our souls. Thank you for this sustenance that strengthens us for the work that you give us to do. Thank you for your life, your love your grace that enables us to share in our Lord's victory over sin and death and the devil. We pray this confident in your love for us because of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, the musicians are going to come. Scott and Dave are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and then return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, all of us who are hungry for his grace and grateful for his love. Um, so, uh, oh, we've got the regular bread and the gluten-free, and we've got the little single containers if, if you'd like to take one of those back. Or I think your tables have them on there. If you don't want to join the procession, if you want to celebrate right there at your seats, you can do that as well. So let's give him thanks, and let's celebrate. Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Cause Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain he washed in white as snow Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leopard spots and melt this heart of stone Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand, soul to save my lips shall still repeat cause Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow he washed it white as snow grace you have shown us in Jesus Christ that you would pay our debts that you would wash us clean that you would help us to experience this, this freedom, this fullness of life that you created us for please fill us with the spirit of Christ today so that as we leave this place we go as, as a people full of love full of grace empowered by you to live lives of grace and love here in this world. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.